Okay, so the U.S. government did launch an investigation, and five different departments worked together to look into the case. These were the Departments of Commerce, Treasury, Justice, Navy, and State. Then Herbert Hoover, who was the Secretary of Commerce at this time, was intrigued by the fact that several other vessels of various nationalities also disappeared in roughly the same area around the same time. But he found that most of the other vessels had been sailing in the vicinity of a series of powerful hurricanes. Now, if you remember, in 1921, they didn't have satellites and things like that to predict where hurricanes were going so ships could avoid that area and everything. And he found that only the Hewitt and the Deering were proven to have been sailing away from the storm instead of towards the storm. So the Hewitt and the Deering were not, did not have their crew disappear because of the hurricane. And then Lawrence Ritchie, who was Hoover's assistant, was put in charge of the investigation. And he tried to chart the vessel's course by looking at the light ship's logs. Then an Italian inquiry into the disappearance of the Monte San Michel confirmed that hurricanes had been in the vicinity. So both a U.S. inquiry and an Italian inquiry had confirmed hurricanes. And mutiny was then accepted as the explanation at this time as to what happened to the Deering. Like I said, the first mate had been overheard saying he was going to get the captain, which to me sounds like mutiny was definitely on the table. Okay, some speculation. On April 11th, 1921, Christopher Columbus Gray claimed to find a message in a bottle. This message stated that the Deering had been captured by oil-burning boat something like Chaser, taking off everything, handcuffing crew, crew hiding all over ship, no chance to make escape, finder, please notify headquarters, Deering. That is exactly what the message said. Deering captured, captured by oil-burning boat, something like Chaser, taking off everything, handcuffing crew, Crew hiding all over ship, no chance to make escape. Finder, please notify headquarters steering. Now that sounds like the ship was overtaken by pirates, which could have been an explanation because there have always been pirates. You may have only heard about pirates in the 18th century and early 19th century, and then here a few years ago out in the Pacific Ocean. But as long as there has been sailing vessels, there has been pirates. And Christopher Columbus Gray turned the bottle and the message over to the authorities. The handwriting was identified as Bates, who, if you remember, was the ship's engineer. The bottle was proven manufactured in Brazil. So based on all of that, it could have come from the ship. Okay, 
And there had also been a sighting of a mysterious steamer by the Cape Lookout Lightship after the dealing Deering had hailed the lightship. You remember that lightship is where the Deering said that they had lost their anchor by, and it was a gentleman who was speaking into a megaphone and had an accent. The captain of the lightship had tried to hail the steamer to get its crew to relay the message from the Deering. Remember, the message had been that they had lost their anchors. The steamer did not respond to the lightship. The captain of the lightship couldn't make out the nameplate of the steamer. The crew had covered it with a canvas. To me, that is very, very suspect. And these all suggested hostile actions had taken the Deering. So we've got mutiny by the first mate or pirates. These two are very possible explanations. Okay, so the suggested theories of what happened to the Deering. Hurricanes. The U.S. government advocated for this, but the Deering had been proven to have been heading away from the path. The state of the ship shows orderly evacuation instead of panicked. Now, if it had been panicked evacuation, they probably would have taken the navigational equipment, but they wouldn't have taken their personal effects or the ship's log. The ship's log may have been taken, but personal effects would not have been taken in a panicked evacuation. So this is a little and probably not going to happen. Piracy. Captain O.W. Parker believed this, and he said, Piracy without a doubt still exists as it has since the days of the Phoenicians. Like I said, as long as there had been, has been sailing ships, there has been piracy. There will always be piracy. And then Captain Warmel's widow actually advocated for this. She thought it was the most likely. But no evidence had emerged, has emerged. No trace of the ship's crew anywhere. No trace of their personal effects. Nothing. Now, this one, this next theory, uh, I don't think so. It was, this next theory is a Russian or communist piracy. Officers allegedly found papers during a raid on the headquarters of the United Russian Workers Party in New York City to seize American ships and sail them to the Soviet Union. And once again, like the piracy, no evidence has surfaced that any of these allegedly plans and activities were ever carried out. They were just written about. I'm sure by now, yes, Russia's still a little, we're not going to share any information, but we would have heard something about this. This next theory could have happened. Rum runners. A group of liquor smugglers working out of the Bahamas stole the ship to use as a rum running vessel. The Deering did run aground during Prohibition, so this is a working theory. It may or may not have actually happened. But no evidence has emerged. So we don't know. Mutiny. This theory is the theory that I think actually happened. I think during the mutiny, the wheel had been broken, which caused the rudder to break. 
They had already lost their anchors, so they abandoned ship. And this theory is based on Wormel's no known conflict with his first mate and derisive comments towards his crew while in Rio de Janeiro. If you remember, Wormel said he did not trust his crew besides the engineer. And then his first mate said that he would get Captain Wormel. And then the person who hailed Captain Jacobson was definitely not Captain Wormel. And he was also definitely not an officer. If you remember, Captain Wormel, his first mate, and all of his officers were not foreign. So the person who hailed Captain Jacobson was a foreigner with the foreign accent. So he was definitely part of the crew. And now Senator Frederick Hale of Maine advocated for this theory. Once again, nothing has ever been proven. But in my opinion, all the other ships besides the Deering and the Hewitt disappeared at this time because of powerful hurricanes. So maybe the crew of the Deering abandoned ship after they realized how destroyed it was and they were not going to be able to make it to sh travel to shore safely. So they abandoned ship. And then they ran into the path of the hurricane while in the lifeboats. Lifeboats will not survive a hurricane. Now, another explanation is a paranormal explanation. And this one has been cited by innumerable authors dealing with anomalous phenomenon and the supernatural. The best... The Deering did sail through the area that's known as the Bermuda Triangle, but it has been past this area by the time it disappeared. The Bermuda Triangle is in the Caribbean. It's not off the coast of North Carolina. So I just, maybe if it was a little further south, I could believe this theory. But it just, it just doesn't make sense to me. And once again, no evidence has emerged. But has evidence ever emerged with a paranormal explanation? Okay, so that concludes our episode about the Carol A. Deering. What do you think happened to the ship? Do you think it was a paranormal explanation? Do you think it was mutiny? Rum runners? The Russians? Piracy? Or do you think that they actually did end up running into the hurricane. Like I said, I think it was a mutiny, and then they ended up running into the hurricane after they had abandoned the ship. But anyways, that concludes our episode. And remember, always be curious. Always question. Hope you guys have a good day. Hello, and welcome back to Histories Mysteries. Sorry, I've been absent the past two weeks. Life got in the way, and then it was Halloween. But today, we are going to finish or do the next episode of our series on ghost ships. Today, we are going to learn about the Carol A. Deering. It was a <clears throat> excuse me. It was a five-masted commercial schooner. It was found run aground off Cape Hatteras, North Carolina, in 1921. Now, like most ghost ships, the crew was nowhere to be found. 
it is one of the most written about maritime mysteries. Now, this one, one of the claims is that it was a victim of the Bermuda Triangle. Okay, so the Carol A. Deering was built in Bath, Maine in 1919 by the G.G. Deering Company, and it was named after the owner's son. It was one of the largest commercial vessel vessels at the time, and its final voyage was to Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. Now, for this last voyage, it started in Puerto Rico on July 19, 1920, and it traveled to Newport News, Virginia to pick up coal, coal for delivery to Rio de Janeiro, and it was captained by William H. Merritt. It, he was a World War I hero. His son, Seawall Merritt, was the first mate. And then their 10-man crew was made up of mostly of Scandinavians, and they were mostly Danish. On August 26, 1920, the Deering cleared the Virginia Capes, and Captain Merritt soon became seriously ill. Now, this illness would actually save his life because the Deering turned back and put into the port of Lewis, Delaware. Yes, Delaware is more north than Virginia, so it went more north than it started off. And they dropped off Merritt and his son. So the captain getting sick actually saved him and his son's life. And they recruited Captain Willis B. Warpmel as the captain, and Charles B. McLean, McClellan as the first mate. In, on September 8, 1920, the Deering set sail for Rio again, and it arrived there and delivered the cargo without incident. Warmel gave the crew leave and met with a friend, Captain Goodwin, and Warmel actually started speaking about his crew with disdain. He claimed to trust only one member of his crew, and that was the engineer, Herbert Bates. Now, Captain Goodwin was also acquainted with Herbert Bates. Okay. Now, on December 2nd, 1920, the Deering left Rio and stopped for supplies in Barbados. The first mate, McClellan, got drunk in town and complained to a different captain, Captain Hugh Norton, that he could not discipline the crew without Warmel interfering. He also complained that he had to do all the navigation due to Warmel's poor eyesight. And Norton, his first mate, and another crew member also overheard McClellan stating that I'll get the captain before we get to Norfolk. I will. Now that is a direct quote from McClellan, from Norton, and his first mate and another crew member. So to me, this means that McClellan was, um, he was already thinking about how he can take over the ship and create a mutiny. And McClellan was arrested in a drunken state in Rio. On January 9th, 1921, Warmel forgave McClellan and bailed him out of jail, and the Deering set sail for Hampton Roads, Virginia, 
Now, the Hampton Roads area of Virginia includes Newport News, Williamsburg, Jamestown, and that whole area. So they were heading to the same area that they picked up the coal in. And then on January 28th, 1921, the ship was sighted by the Cape Lookout Lightship off North Carolina. And the Deering hailed the lightship. Captain Jacobson, the lightship's keeper, said that a tall, thin man with reddish hair and a foreign accent speaking through a megaphone told him that the vessel had lost its anchor in a storm anchors in a storm off Cape Fear and asked that the ship ship's owner be notified. Now, a man speaking with a foreign accent to me sounds like it was one of the crew members. If you remember, they were all Scandin Scandinavian and mostly Danish. So to me, that man speaking with a foreign accent was most likely a crew member. Now, Captain Jacobson noted this, but was unable to report it due to his radio being out. So he couldn't actually speak with the Deering or speak with anybody else. He also noted that the crew seemed to be milling around on the quarterdeck. Now, the quarterdeck is an area that the crew would not normally be allowed at. So this was strange, as well as the man with the foreign accent speaking. And then the following afternoon, another vessel transiting the area spotted the Deering sailing towards the Diamond Shoals. They noted that they saw no one on the ship's deck and didn't attempt to hail the schooner. And they thought the ship would spot either the Cape Hatteras Lighthouse or the Diamond Shoals lightship and change course to avoid the shoals. So to me, it sounds like between when they were um, hailing the lightship on the 28th and then the afternoon of the 29th is when the crew disappeared. On January 31st, 1921, the Deering was sighted by at dawn by surfman C.P. Brady, who was on lookout at the Coast Guard Station at Cape Hatteras. The vessel had run aground with all the sails set on the outer edge of Diamond Shoals. Now, Diamond Shoals is a common site of shipwreck for centuries, and that area is known as the Graveyard of the Atlantic. Now, due to bad weather, rescue ships were unable to approach the Deering, so possibly there could be crew members still around at this point in time, but we don't know because rescue ships were unable to approach the ship and nobody saw anybody. So most likely this crew had already had already disappeared. And then it took until February 4th, 1921 when the ship was finally boarded and it was found to be completely abandoned. The steering equipment was damaged. The wheel was shattered. The binnacle box was broken. Now, the binnacle box is a high is a waist-high case or stand on the deck of a ship, generally mounted in front of the helmsman, in which navigational instruments are placed for easy and quick reference, as well as to protect the delicate instruments. And the traditional purpose of the binnacle box is to hold the ship's magnetic compass. 
And then the rudder was disengaged from its stock. So not only was the wheel shattered, there was no way to navigate because the binnacle box was broken. And then the rudder was disengaged. So even if the wheel wasn't broken, they wouldn't be able to turn the rudder. And the ship's log and navigational equipment were gone, which to me, this sounds like they abandoned ship and were taking the navigational equipment so they could try and find shore, especially because the crew's personal effects were also gone. So to me, they left of their own free will. And then two lifeboats were not there. 